Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, do you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome back, Brad Herta, to another episode of Blue Collar BS. How you doing? I am wonderful, Mr. Stephen Doyle. And what is going on in the beautiful motor city of Detroit, Michigan, these uh, cool December days? You know, it's beautiful. It's another shade of gray. We got 50 shades of them. It's perfect. It's that time of year. So let's do it. It is the happiest time of year, right? So it's all good. It is. So <laughs> it is. It's it's all good, my friend. It is all good. It's the Christmas season, joy and happiness everywhere to be found. Um, which brings us to our guest today, full of joy and happiness. Uh Mr. <laughs> Craig Sorbo. Uh, currently, his role is a financial uh, advisor with uh, one of the companies here in town, Northwestern Mutual. We can't swing a dead cat without finding one of those guys in our town, but we found one. We found one that has a background that's unique to, compared to most coming out of the car industry and has a very uh, unpleasant taste for the uh, college and educational hierarchy that we have in our society. And this is going to be a really fun conversation today. Welcome, Mr. Sorbo. What's happening, man? Sorry, I didn't How know if you? you wanted me to interject on that, but I was going to try to help as you were stumbling. Was, you know, was, was find, wrong? Finding, me with the dead, finding me with the dead cats out there or something. Well, <laughs> not really. There's Just like a, a laundry list of NM advisors on my that are probably within 20 miles of me. Well, for sure. There's not, there's not a lack of us in theory and you're just in that world it seems but you're supposed to be in this manufacturing world but somehow you know a bunch of us so good job well executed <laughs> that's awesome so merry Craig, christmas we... everyone that's right merry christmas so before we get started uh craig first question we ask all of our guests is which generation do you hey, remember today high five for you baby you remembered yeah. <laughs> self-identify which what who do you self-identify with self-identify <laughs> so so do you want me to answer what what am i based on my actual age or yes. mentally yeah am i actual actual age um early millennial got it. born in 85 so wow perfect you're a graduate mm -hmm. from high school perfect awesome that's that's right that's right <laughs> that's why we're diverse here in gender even though we have the same haircut <laughs> So great barber, isn't it? I, I think if they did a meme right now of the three of us, I am the combination of the two of you. Uh, I got Steve's cool. beard in your head. It's kind of like this is there's some sort of like 
Speaking of millennial, right? Or I don't know, senial, X, G, Y, pronoun generation. Stop, something. stop, 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 stop. So, so, Craig, how did you talk about the car industry for a moment? Shall you? Let's go back to your days at the dealership. What, sure. uh, what was it like there? What was it like being the young guy in the you know, old guy industry? Um, man, I guess I never really thought of that as the old guy industry, but, um, I get, you know, start back. I mean, I, I was the traditional person high school, right? So my dad was actually a college professor. Um, so I went to high school, good students, uh, whole nine yards, right? Honor roll, all that fun stuff, you know, all not, you weren't my teacher. Thank goodness for that. Otherwise I might not have been that. But anyways, it was, you know, like the normal path is what you were going to think. Uh, so went to college and in college, you know, you're, you're navigating life on, um, you know, personally and kind of what you want to do. And I was in school for engineering. Brad, you know me a little bit. Uh, oh my God. Is, yeah. Like <laughs> I, I'm the furthest thing from an engineer as I've learned now. Right. Right. I should have never been allowed. Like it should have been illegal for me to be in, in, in a <laughs> degree for engineering and paying for it. But uh, you know, one of the things that happened was in college, they had us reading some stuff and obviously the lean to college um, even back then. Right. This is now 17 years ago. Um, was was certainly there was a lean towards the education system, and they had us reading a book that I firmly disagreed with. And I was in college for Bush elections '04, and to me, just being a conservative made sense. Even when I was younger, my both my parents were actually uh, self proclaimed Democrats when I was growing up. I was 12 years old, going, "This doesn't make sense." I remember my mom being a big like Ross Perot fan, and pieces of it. I'm like, "Yeah, I get it. It makes sense." Um, but did you, you have charts? Know, in the, did you have charts in the house on the kitchen, Jeff? Like yeah. graphs on the refrigerator were you all uh, year? were you man. all year oh yeah absolutely so <laughs> oh, um, but they had us reading this book and I, I disagreed with it and, and the teacher looked at me she goes uh what's your opinion what's your opinion i said i, I just let me get to this class i don't want to give my opinion because i disagree with you guys she kept drilling it and finally i just said as i think this is crazy it was a very socialist book and i'm like we're in college right now paying for college and i remember looking at the class going this i'm like why in the world would I come to college and pay for something so that I could literally have the exact same path as everybody else? That doesn't make any sense. And the rest of the class looked at me like I was the crazy one. So I was like, I don't think I fit here, right? Uh, where's Waldo? I'm right here. I got to go. Um, so I, the teacher looked at me. She goes, this is a liberal arts school. If you don't like it, you should leave. You know, I'm happy she said it because I did. I followed her advice. I went to the dean's office. I told her what happened. I asked for my tuition to be refunded. I left. My dad was teaching at uh, Concordia at the time. So I called my dad and said, Dad, I just dropped out of college. That went over well. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, was that, so, how was that dinner conversation? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, my parents were divorced. So I didn't, I didn't see my dad often. And we'd talk and stuff. But um, I don't think he talked to me. I, I don't think he talked to me for north of 12 months. Like, we didn't wow. have a single conversation from that point. My whole family and, and my dad's side of the family was incredibly educated. And my mom's side of the family was less educated about that hard work. So I was kind of that hybrid in between those things. And, and growing up, you know, I was working from like age eight on at my grandpa's resorts. And then I, I did it flooring installs starting like 12 years old, my uncle. Um, like I just always had this work ethic mentality. Um, so I knew what, and that's when I left and I had the confidence to leave college. It That's the background that I knew. I said, here, I can outwork these people. I, I would look at the classroom and go, I'm not necessarily going to outsmart these people. Some of these people are really smart. 
Uh, I don't know if I can beat them in some of that, but I'm going to work them. They're going to work 17 hours. I'm going to, like, you know, Kobe Bryant this. I'm going to go 18, whatever it takes. I got to win. And all I want to do is win, win, win. Um, So I had that competitiveness. I had that work ethic background. Yeah, I don't think my dad talked to me for, like, 12 months after that. He made a snide comment to me at that time when I left because I was in school for engineering because I liked cars. knew I wanted to do something with cars. So I wanted to do two things. I want to work with cars. I want to make money. That's how I got into engineering. That's really a bad thing. To it's a bad a idea. Choice. It's a bad, yeah, bad idea. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how Correct. it plays out. But you know what? All my teachers, parents, stuff, I tell them that. They're like, hey, it's good. Yeah, you're going to college. Like They all feel happy about it. Instead of what they should have felt was, well, you're going to indebt yourself based on two characteristics of things you like. That's really how it should have been looked at. You know, my dad made this comment to me, say, hey, this, you're just going to go sell cars. I laughed. I said, dad, I'm not going to go sell cars. Uh, anyways, then a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, I need to go look at this car. And I was kind of a gearhead. And he said, well, you come look at it with me. I was like, ah, sure. Not doing anything right now. So, um, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Got nothing so but go, time, my friend. No problem. <laughs> right. You know, you look back now, it was probably a bit of a God moment in my eyes. Like, why did this all lay out? And um, so I went with them to the dealership to look at cars. Needless to say, started, you know, chit-chatting with some of the people there. And they're like, hey, you should come work here. I'm like. I got nothing going. Yeah, let's do that. You know, ironically, dad just told me two weeks ago, start selling cars. So it was <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, so I got in the car business. This would have been, you know, I was like 19 something, 19 and change. Because uh, it was the second semester of my sophomore year when I left of college. Um, crushed it. I mean, so being the young guy, when you talk about being the car business, I was 19 years old. I went in there. But when I think of career paths and stuff too, some of it is like competition, right? Every career, it's like, hey, what's my competition? That was my mentality. My mentality was always about winning. Mm-hmm. So I said, what do people hate? They hate car salespeople. Cool. So I just not have to not suck, and I could probably do okay at this. Um, and brought a different mentality and idea uh, to this awesome. idea. And work was work ethic was going to win. You know, it was always like, what's the crappy thing about the car business? You work a ton. You're a slave to, the, like, all that stuff. I'm like, don't care. I'll work hard. All that. Loved cars. So I got to be around cars all the time. When you're 19, that's crazy cool. But, I mean, I became a gold salesperson for Honda um, that first year. I, I mean, I made six cool. figures of income my first year selling cars. Um, so coming up in that industry, I found something. I found a group of people that uh, embraced me. Um, you know, I know one of the things, Brad, you love to talk about, right, is understanding that career path. There was a really defined, understandable career path, and it was metrically set up. Be the best here. Move to do this. Move to do this. Move to do this. I just followed that path. Um, and when I look back at it, you know, so I did sales for two years. And then my general manager at the time loved me. He's like, dude, we got to get you in front of as many people as possible. I was a pretty good closer in the car industry. Um, so he made me a sales manager at 21. So I was like sales manager, 21, finance manager at 22. And by 23, I actually became a general manager in the car industry. I got my own store at 23. So I was the youngest GM in the state, all based on just grind and work ethic. And, and certainly there's education, right? But it's defined specific education that you're learning for your craft. And so I was super engaged, right? If it's like, right. hey, learn this, you can make more and have better success. I was like all about it. Right. So, you know, that was my experience in a nutshell, I guess, in the car industry and, and kind of love the industry. So so you're 23 years old. You're general manager of a, of a dealership. Obviously, you probably didn't have many younger people working for you, particularly on the sales side and probably not even in the in the mechanic side or in the service side, how how did you come in with that competitive attitude and that, hey, I'm going to outwork the shit out of everybody 
how was that received and how well did that go over with uh, the folks that are older than you? Um, man, trying to think back to some of that at that time. I do remember the one thing. That's why I have the beard now. So at a young age, I had to grow the beard. So I looked older. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my, my wife, I said, you know, the good thing about being a dude is we can grow the facial hair, look older when we're young. And as we get older, we shave it off and look younger. Um, <laughs> but uh, yep. so that was yeah. that was a win. But I guess I never, I really never took an approach. The people in my store, that's my team, right? So supporting them, helping them, helping them be better, increasing. The nice thing, the, the, the fun thing about the car industry is success can come together. If the store's doing well, everybody's making more money and it can be fast, right? Like your check tomorrow can be different than your check two weeks ago substantially. It, there isn't a real long path to that. So if I'm able to come in there and help improve their success, improve their paychecks, they're going to love me. Uh, and that, in most of my experience, was the case. So there wasn't a lot of, hey, we think this guy's a young idiot. I'm sure there was some of that. It, I don't recall any of that specifically coming to me. But it was like, hey, this guy came up. He's helping me make more money. I like this guy. Pretty cut and dry. Very simple mm-hmm. word. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that. So... <laughs> As we're talking about, this is a generational show, um, and Brad kind of alluded to it in his question, but for our listeners, what were some of the things you had to work through with some of the more experienced seasonal professionals versus you as the young whippersnapper coming in? Um, you know, I think it was, I would say one of the traits that I had that was a benefit is I am not the guy that walks in a room and says I'm the smartest guy in this room. Even if I have the largest title, I'm not, I, I don't really approach many conversations with that mentality. You know, if I'm sitting there talking to a 60 year old tech that's got 35 years of experience and is a rock star, I'm not going to sit here and tell him and his job what to do better, but we're going to, we're going to sit down together and figure out ways to improve the store as a unit. I want to see how I can embrace him and the knowledge that he has. And so I think I, I brought benefits in that space. Um, you know, the one thing about the car industry that's a benefit is there's so much turnover. A lot of those people are used to it. You know, so when I would start, when I, you know, would take over, like, start with a store. He's not going to be here long. Yeah. That was you just got to wait like, him oh, out. I know that I'll last longer than he will. Yeah. I'm the next guy. And so they, they don't really care. And, you know, the interaction and some of the decisions that I would make really wouldn't impact that much or, or it would, or, uh, right. but usually in a positive way. Um, it's pretty simple. Most business at a high level is pretty simple, right? Efficiencies, you know, mm-hmm. turns, people, um, you know, as I, Brad and I were talking the other day, I said, man, if you could just have a slogan in business, that would just be a good foundational piece in general. Just don't be a dick. Yep. It's going to work out. <laughs> um, so, so and that's, a good you place know, to start. yeah. Um, so I think I was, be good. I mean, I can certainly get hot when situations would, and people, especially some of the people I used to work with, would still laugh and will still tell stories about times did I break some phones and, and do some things like that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it Guilty. usually wasn't directed <laughs> towards anything um, or necessarily anybody in particular. Um, but you, you have the attention grabber. Sometimes you just need that, like, do I have your attention now? Cool. All right. Now let's right. solve this. And I'm very much a problem solution mentality type person. Um, and you need people. So, you know, as far as generationally, I, you know, in, in different 
positions would have different challenges, right? So my sales staff would be different than working with the technicians or the service writers or the managers. But I think as a whole, if you're willing, and, and the benefit that I had as a young guy is I would get in the trenches with them. And that was one thing I know they appreciated. Like, right. you know, my finance person's backed up. I'm not going to be the guy that sits there and says, hey, you know, go deliver these next 12 cars by yourself. I'm going home. I'm like, no, right. I'm going to hop in the office and I'm going to help you deliver cars so that you're not sitting here until two o'clock in the morning delivering these cars. And I have all these pissed off customers and employees. Like, we're yeah. going to get through it. So that was, I, I think there's a benefit to the generational difference there than, you know, some of the older guys that I would see that were my position at different stores. That's what they would do. And what was the number one complaint that their people would complain about would be that they wouldn't get the backup when they needed it. And, you mm -hmm. know, so many things happen. Like, you got a ton of, you're in, you're in the car business, you're there 70 hours a week. But the reality is you're not overly busy. There's always stuff to do, but you're not overly busy 80% of the time. 20% right. of the time you're doing like every business, right? 80, 20 rules. So 20% of the time you're doing 80% of your business. Make that more efficient. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah, cool. it was uh, it was a ton of fun. I mean, in, in dealing with different people, obviously, you know, like you said, you guys are a generational show. You know, my last store, I had two older techs. And I think one of the proud things we had, like we didn't have a huge service department. Um, we had about a dozen techs when I had left. The two older guys, I mean, these guys were amazing, but they were good dudes. So what was nice is, I mean, they're not necessarily your super outgoing personalities, but they were always willing to help. Um, you know, they're techs. And, but really good guys, and those were the guys that made my life easier in that space. And when we would bring in some of the young guys and having to manage some of that mentality, but what we did, at, at my store specifically, is we created a team environment. So instead of text, when you think of a normal tech store, how they're typically set up is it's every tech for themselves, how fast yep. they get stuff done. They're on a flat rate cycle. So you think about the structure, it creates animosity by nature because the best techs are going to want to cherry pick the easiest jobs that they know they can pound through as fast as possible, minimal effort, and maximum pay. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like your biggest problem customer is going to be the opposite of that. It's the hard job. That's warranty work that the manufacturer comes up and says, well, we're going to pay you 0.7 hours on this, but it's going to take somebody 14 hours to do it because they've never done it. It's a one-off weird situation. Right. Um, and those were the challenging ones. So what do we do? We created three teams of four with our senior techs leading each team and, you know, created a different environment. That was a, that was a big win for us in that industry because um, you just created that that teaming and now they're all somewhat dependent you know it leaned toward the a guy but you put an abcc guy or abbc guy on each team right. um, and it helped us then increase the levels of the younger guys and certainly mm -hmm. still right. maximize our a totally. players i mean i remember yeah, one time i'm sitting in the, raise shop the floor much quicker oh man one time i'm sitting in the floor and a guy's working on a car and he reached he screams over to one of our senior guys across the shop uh not a bad just like yelling he's like hey need some help here or whatever and th this senior guy just goes what's going on and he dreams that the other guy looks he's like oh man that's the fuse it's like four down 17 i'm like this guy literally had fuse boxes memorized on where the issue was i'm like <laughs> that is like yeah that's why we need that like that's unbelievable right if it were me i thought it was pretty good like i'd be sitting there for probably 12 hours or you know measure it in beer time it's that's a 30 pack of trying to figure out that problem that he just solved in 12 <laughs> seconds <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, you obviously you uh you left school, you were in the car industry for a bunch of time, you found your way into the financial world. Um, you know, you sent over some interesting information before the show. 
Uh, Steve and I kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, so as you sit from your financial seat today, and even going forward from, from, from your history, what's, you know, from your perspective, what would you tell that 17 to 19 year old today that's on the fence to either, I'm going to go do some shit with my hands. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get dirty. or I'm going to find something that I enjoy, or I'm going to kind of muddle my way through the university or higher education system. Um, what does that look like? What would you tell them to do? And why would you tell them to do that? I think this could go to virtually anything in life. If you go into a situation, let's say you're going to buy some, let's go back to cars. You're going to buy a car. If you're sitting there debating, should I buy this car or should I not buy this car? Do you think you should lean towards the one that costs a lot of money or the one that costs less money? And that would be what I would say when it even comes to college. Lots of money because I like the fancy, the fancy bling, man. We got to have the fancy yeah. bling if we're going to buy something. You said if, there, if it was questionable. So in the questionable arena, I think that's most case, right? Most 17 and 19 year olds, that's what I promise this. The three of us on this call right now, we are all doing something different than we thought when we were 17. Yeah, Bingo. yeah there's I mean, no idea. Brad, I know you, Steve. Obviously, we met 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that, but I can easily make that assumption to I don't know what the percentage is. Make up whatever stat you want. Most people are not in the career that they intended on being at that age. Because you got to learn. And I think you learn what you don't want to do more than what you do want to do. Um, yes. So, you know, I was involved in a program called Inspire when I was the car business. And, you know, we set up internships for high school kids. And I think it was a huge win. So, you know, my my um, disagreement with our uh, higher education system in colleges focused me. And I, I wanted to find something and create a path. So when I was in the car industry, we did do that. And I created a funnel of interns that would come into our dealership every year. We'd be able to cherry pick the good ones, create internships and so forth, but they got to experience it. And even as a lot of them, right, it, it, embrace yourself in the culture, embrace yourself in the, like, what's going on. If you're a lot of tenant, a lot of tenant moves cars around. They clean cars. Like, this is not rocket science. But you know what? They're going to be talking to the techs. They're going to be seeing what's going on. They're going to know a ton of what's happening. It's a great job for a young high school kid. And you're either going to realize, hey, I love this environment, right? Blue collar BS, right? Most of the time when we stereotype, what does a blue collar career look like? It's different than a white collar career. What you can say, what you can't say. You know, some people like that environment. Some people don't. So learning um, some of that stuff, I think, is huge. And that's when when you're on the fence of like, what should I do? Let's not take the path of spending more money. Um, it, you know, it's kind of funny. When I was doing that Inspire program, some of the high schools and these principals, when we rolled out, they kept thinking like, you know, we were we were a conflict to them. Like we were against what they were doing. I said, uh -uh, I'm going to public high schools in the area. <laughs> and I said, let me ask you this, Mr. Principal, what's your job? And, and he's like, oh, my job is to get these kids ready for the world. I said, okay, the world isn't college. And this is, this is what we have to bring. So many parents and people think like the next world for an 18 to 22 year old is college. Uh, -uh. your job is going to be ready for the next stage of life, whatever that is. And again, Correct. I personally think it should be illegal that we funnel people into an education system to cost tons of money that they can't get out of. And now whatever decision they make, they're hosed. And, and now, obviously, we look at today, and this is becoming a federal conversation that it's now become everybody's problem on the decisions that they make. Like, OK, this is broken. Mm -hmm. it, correct. So so walk us through the uh, 
you did some research. Walk us through the numbers. I mean, because because that data was absolutely freaking staggering when you showed that data when, when I read those numbers. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day when I was doing some of this, this is this was just some of the math that I would share with people because, you know, there's this always fight. And, and I, well, I feel like people would always want to fight me on this in college, in college for a long really? time until huh. you antagonize people, Craig. I mean, I don't try to. I just like to speak about things that are antagonistic. <laughs> I don't try to. <laughs> so people say, don't talk to. money, politics, I or religion. Do. That's what else do we want to talk about. You know, I yeah. only talk, you know, it's, that leaves sports for me. And, you know, not enough people like sports. So, but um, people, the Come college on, World debate, Cup is going on right now. It's the biggest event on the planet. What are you talking about? Man, I'm a huge sports fan. I tried to watch it. It's tough. But um, I agree. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, one goal a year. I love the memes that are coming of it, though. Like, wow. Um, one, they said, you know, you go back a decade and colleges would, would make this debate that you'd make a million dollars more if you had a college degree versus not. Brad, you and I have talked about, I said, there, there's no way that you can actually mathematically calculate that data. Because, uh, I mean, look at Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. I mean, you got people that are the wealthiest people in the world that don't have college degrees are going to totally blow that out of the water. And, but I said, all right, let's just do the math. And, and what I realized in, in that, a great book that I read that a family member sent to me was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was younger. Because mm-hmm. um, I was that kid. I, I, I was that kid that was conflicted. I didn't know. My dad's side of the family, tons of wealth, tons of money. Got to see that piece. I grew up pretty much only child, single mom, uh, very poor. But I got to see both worlds. You know, it's the Wolf of Wall Street thing. I've been a rich man. I've been a poor man. I choose rich all the time. But you choose comfortable and having an understanding of money. And what the reason people don't have money typically is because they're burdened with debt, not because of a lack of income, uh, mm-hmm. because of a lack of understanding of their True. dollars. I've seen people that make a million dollars a year that have no money. I've seen people that make $40,000 a year that have tons of it. It's the relationship that they have there with money. So that math there is, I just looked it up too. And so in 2019, 2020, the average in-state tuition was $81,140 for four years of school. $81,000. Obviously, you can't get rid of this debt either. So if you invest that money, or if you have that payment, so $81,140 at an 8% interest rate, which is roughly the average interest rate across the board for all of college loans, that's $775 per month. If you pay that from the age of 23 to 38 and you reinvest that $775 till you're 65, you have $628,000. So a lot of people, I'll show this to 15-year-old kids when I was going to these high schools and talking to them, and they're looking at that going, man, I could buy a Ferrari, right? As you get older, you realize, hey, I got to save for retirement. I got to do some other things. Like $628,000 isn't that much money anymore. Uh, when you're 15, like you could buy two Ferraris, it's really cool. But when you understand the flip side to it, is like if you start investing at 23. So just imagine a kid. You talk blue-collar spaces. 18-year-old kid goes out there, doesn't know what he wants to do. So from 18, 19, 20, they're playing around in different worlds, figuring out what they want to do, no debt. Then they start getting into a career path where, hey, there's a, there's a good path, right? Stuff you guys talk about all the time. By 23 years old, is it uncommon that somebody in the blue-collar space could be saving and investing $775 a month? Not could uncommon. Be, this is not an could be super reason. could be super easy to do. Absolutely. Super easy. If you do that, and you do that from the age of 23 to 65, you have 1.768 million. All that math based on a 6% average rate of return, very conservative math. That's the difference. So if you make a million dollars more, and I said, if you make a million more, that's actually taxed. So you actually make, let's say, $600,000 more from an education system. This is $1.1 million. Congratulations, college. You lost. Yep. That's my math. So... <laughs> Um, no, it, it, when, it, when I saw that and I saw it was double, like essentially you're doubling your potential 
double triple earnings triple yeah triple yeah six one point eight yeah from six hundred yeah you are you are essentially creating a different you're potentially creating generational pivot for your family for your legacy for everything at that point in time it's unbelievable yeah so it, i mean it, it's staggering the math you're absolutely right you want to talk about generational wealth compound that more understand that math add 30 years to it it's even more dramatic right thing mm-hmm. about compounding interest is it's exponential just like technology is exponential things you know back ends of things are exponential what does college actually do to our younger generation in my opinion it robs them of their early most valuable investable years. So that's my beef. So how would somebody find you, Craig, to, uh, if they, if a young kid wants to figure out that, Hey, I want to get to my $1.8 million by the time I'm 60 or, you know, by the time, by the time I beat my body up so much that I'm 55 and I don't have to worry about it anymore. How does, how does a kid find you to help them get to achieve that goal? All my info's out there, but just if you Google Craig Sorbo, find it. But Craig.sorbo at nm.com is my email. My phone number, 262-617-4075. Feel free, call me. I'll gladly have a chat with anybody that has questions. Whether you like what I say or don't like what I say, I always, I will welcome conflict as well. <laughs> you, so yeah, we'll always say it. We've had yeah. plenty of conflict. Yeah, so, I love, so, through, through the greatest conflict comes the best resolution. So the hardest absolutely. conversations create the best results. Absolutely. But yeah, certainly. Those are the two easiest ways to contact me. All right. So uh, you may, well, you only listened to one episode randomly because <laughs> it was a mutual friend of ours, but that's okay. Um, so well, one thing we don't have, I got a four-year-old and one-year-old, man. Time is of the essence. It's limited. Right. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Um, one of the things that one of our uh, friends of ours started was these dad joke things. And oh, I yeah. Let's do this. I thought this was hilarious. These two are pretty hilarious. And you could probably, you said you had a four-year-old. Is that what you said, Craig? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This, these will be right up your four-year-old's alley. Perfect. He, these right. will kill at Christmas. Well, let's hear them. Perfect. What do you call cattle that don't produce milk? I don't know. Milk duds. <laughs> wow. Killer <laughs> at the Christmas table for you, Craig. Oh. <laughs> well, Brad, you're, Here's a, I've like. I'm just, I'm right now jumping out of my skin to go to your Christmas, if that's what's killing me. <laughs> Here, here's, here's, here's a little math joke for you, potentially. What's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a bicycle and a well-dressed man, I'm sorry, a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a well-dressed man on a bicycle? One wheel. Close. A tire. Oh, nice. Wow. That's See? terrible. Nothing but the best dad jokes here on blue collar bs those are great i love them i mean you gotta <laughs> rock with it right. you want to uh speaking of gener- you might have to edit this but you want me to give you a good one do it go for it do it do it it's not really well you know what they say so as men age you can appreciate this brad when i'm talking about aging but as men age they look like sean connery right sure ish yeah. maybe not. As, as women age they look oh, like no. Sean Connery. No. <laughs> 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 I said you might have to edit it, but hey, if it gets you more votes, I said that's how you that's how you could judge a good woman too if they laugh at that and don't slap you. Um, so you don't discriminate; wow. you say it to everybody. Well, that's a great one for Christmas, especially if Grandma's over. You know, mm. rock and roll with it. 
Um, yeah. Oh wow, I, that, that's a good exit point, Craig. So, uh, so yeah. Thank, thank you so much for uh, for sharing and being on here and, and and demonstrating to us the you know the three X opportunity to start at a young age to not take on the debt and and go down a different path and sharing your your story. So, thank you very much for being here today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Fun show. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.